This is the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, Scotty Wrestling. This episode is a very special episode as I have Countouts Ryan to join me. We talk about his journey, how he created Countout, the podcast that he's created, and we talk plenty of wrestling. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview as you learn about our match competition and much more. With me today is Hit the Books co-host, G1 and only host, and co-creator of the Countout Wrestling Podcast Network. Ryan, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Scotty. Uh, I'm I'm here. I'm ready to talk about whatever. Uh, I'm glad um, we had a very great uh, article uh, on <laughs> Countout with you. So I'm very glad to talk to you again because I had a great time talking to you last week about it all. I mean, not last week, uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, no, I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited yeah. to talk to you. Yeah, I was. you already plugged it for me. That was going to be my right off the bat. So if you've been following along, whether it be on Twitter or on um, Countout, uh, you guys know that me and Ryan are doing a little charity competition of sorts. Uh, who can watch the most wrestling matches by the end of 2021. And the article that we put up, I thought it was pretty funny. I, I read it back like twice this week. It's it's a hoot. Um, definitely check that out at countoutpod.com. Uh, um, I don't know the exact extension. You can find it. It's it's on there. Uh, <laughs> countoutpod.com slash articles to get directly to the articles. The extension to the specific article, I'm not going to read on there. That's- <laughs> but it's titled Ryan Knightsey versus Scotty Edwards 2021 match race February update. Yeah, no, a charity match race. I'm very excited uh, to beat you and wow. win <laughs> and watch the most wrestling. Because I mean, I, when I saw it, I saw you, to guess a little bit of backstory, I saw that you were doing on Twitter, like you were tr- logging and tracking how many matches you were watching in uh, this year. And I do the same. I've been doing the same for a little bit now. And I saw that I wanted to do something. Uh, so I was like, hey, let me hit you up real quick. Um, and then, you know, that's the match race. We're doing it for charity, which is always exciting. And I uh, just want to win and th- believe wholeheartedly that I am going to succeed in these endeavors. Yeah, you you believe. I don't believe in myself. So it's a real uh, back and f- it's a real perfect back and forth. But... Uh- 
my overconfidence will uh, help out your underconfidence, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Um, I'm just, <laughs> the funny part is, like, I haven't, like, changed the way I'm watching anything. I'm like, if this is interesting to me, I'm going to watch it. Like, plain and simple. That's just the way it goes. I feel like if I look at it as just the race, I won't enjoy the actual wrestling as much. <laughs> so that's kind of what I'm trying to do here. I definitely agree with that. I, it's sort of like you have to it's it's like um i don't know how many i i have my backstory i guess I, i'm a huge like board game person mm. um i have board games good. Uh, i have maybe like 30 40 board games in my house right now i we we needed a place to put them all so i as we were driving along i found uh a, a, a small bookshelf basically that was on the side of the road that i stopped forced my girlfriend to stop driving the car so we can pick it up <laughs> uh, and put all the board games in but i'm a huge board game guy and uh, when I play board games, I uh, I play them basically for the love of the game. I play them to play them with and interact and connect with friends and family. Mm-hmm. I do not play them to win. Uh, right. More than likely, I will lose. Uh, <laughs> unlike the race game, unlike the match race game. Yeah, uh, all right. <laughs> but more than likely, I'm going to lose because um, I'm not necessarily the best at all board games. You know, there's different styles of board games are better at or whatever. But I want to uh play the game i don't like it when people cheat i don't like it people do things and when it comes to them and how that relates to the match race game is that you know there are definitely ways to bump up your numbers uh like i know for a fact of ways i can bump up my numbers which i will not divulge because i need those in case i'm falling behind (laughs) uh i mean i'm not i mean i'm not um but there's it's the whole point of it as well is to watch wrestling and that's what both of us want to do is watch wrestling watch as much wrestling watch a diverse amount of wrestling watch much a bunch of different promotions a bunch of different wrestlers you know i i know i do it differently how i do my notebook differently than you but i i want to know how many promotions i watched in the year i want to know how many different wrestlers i've seen wrestle throughout the year and i've already seen a bunch of wrestlers um who i've never seen wrestle before uh wrestle this year um so yeah no i i'm very much excited to and look forward to uh like i said destroying you in the match race <laughs> i think that's the beauty of it not the destroying part that is not the beauty well, of it. What? No, uh, what? um the beauty of it really is you know just watching all this new wrestling and he- if i i will already say in three months into this year it's probably the uh, most new wrestling I've watched just because I, I feel like tracking it gives me a better purpose because I can remember things I watch instead of just, you know, going to watch some random match from pro wrestling Noah that I will never remember. Like I will remember it now because I have a rating for it. I have it logged. And I think when you reached out to me, I was like, Oh, I mean, to me, it was, I had the purpose of just, you know, entertaining myself, but if I can entertain the masses, that's even better. And maybe if I can accidentally win, then that's cool too. That's that's definitely true, except the last part. Um, <laughs> but I, do you like the gimmick that I'm doing of just overdoing it? Uh, no, yeah, I it, it's I agree. I agree. It, it's um, I find that for me, it's a similar idea where when I watch wrestling, in a weird way, when I watch wrestling that wasn't logging stuff, it was a lot of like. Well, I watched that, and then if it wasn't good or 
you know, if it was great, but it just didn't really hit me in some way or something, it's hard to describe that. But as it, I like to say, it's like a 3.5. Yeah. If it's like <laughs> a pretty good match, you know, I, let's take this for example Matt Jackson versus Ray Phoenix and AEW Dynamite. A pretty good match, but I think without logging it for some reason, it you wouldn't remember just, it happened. It would have just gone in my head, gone out the other ear. And not this that isn't to say it was a bad match. Like I said, I think I gave it like three and a half stars or something. But when I log it, maybe it's because my memory, and maybe you'll agree with this, my memory is shot. So having having place to write it down and look back throughout the end of the year and think of like, oh, what did I really enjoy this year? Yeah. Who, you know, did I like to see wrestle uh, a lot? And, you know, who I want to know these things that both my interest is peaked about those things, the stats, the numbers of it all, but also remembering all these different aspects of like different wrestlers, different promotions. Like, Hey, what did, what match that I thought was really good in AEW? If, even if it comes to that, where it's like, I'm recommending stuff. It's like, well, I saw this and I thought it was really good. If I didn't have a list where I can recommend matches, I would be like, just get into it. I don't know. Like I have a course now where I can just be like, Hey, go check this out. Cause I thought it was really yeah, so what inspired me to do it um, was uh, so I got a Voices of Wrestling ballot and trying to remember my favorite like top ten matches this year. One of the most impossible things ever. I was like, I don't remember what happened at the beginning of the year because there were fans at that time. Like that's how long it's been. So you know that came into play. But you know, I liked what you said of who did I like to see the most. And I think it really works for TV matches the most because TV matches are so like forgetful, not that they're not good. Sometimes it's just like you forget about them. And it's funny. The other day I was watching might've been just like some random match on NXT that lasted like five minutes. And I was like, all right, I'm not logging this. I was like, I'm not going to like, it was like a five minute um, match that ended in disqualification. I was like, all right, that wasn't a match. Like I'm, I'm trying to like stay as loyal to this thing as possible because, like you said, I'm, I'm all about the uh, honor here. Yes. Not that anyone watches Ring of Honor, but you know. Hey, Ring of Honor, I think during the pandemic when they returned, has been pretty solid. I haven't watched it in the new year though. We do upload to YouTube, and I can check that real easily. Um, that's just time. That's the biggest fight of it. Yeah. But yeah. uh they're not that bad they've they've gotten be- i think they've gotten a lot better than pre-pandemic i think pre-pandemic <laughs> they were pretty crappy they yeah. had some promise and then that fell in flames for good reason mm. um <laughs> i'm not, not going to talk about that no. uh and but their return at the very least and their sort of um i was gonna say ui uh is not the right word but their uh look their new look to it all has the rebranding i guess maybe um has been different refreshing and and it almost feels like they have also been like you know a lot of people like when they talked about like AEW they're very interested in the stats and everything and the numbers and i think ring of honor has also done that a lot more in a more subtle way yeah um they have like rankings and stuff but they have like little bugs in the corner that say like hey he's won his last matches he's in in uh tag matches he he he's you know 60% win percentage in tag matches uh in a pure match he has never used any rope breaks like it's like oh that's cool that's just fun little bugs to enhance you know the interest right. 
yeah, I think the pure stuff has probably um, influenced them a lot. Now, before we get into, you know, talking just like full on wrestling, which I very much intend on doing, I want to ask you, how did you come up with the count out network as a whole? Um, that's a good question. Uh, so I run the Canon network with my good friend, Mikey Manfredi. Uh, we were, we were, uh, or we are, I guess, uh, old college friends. Uh, we were both in the film, uh, program at our college, Stevenson university, both wrestling fans, obviously. Um, and so after college, we had this idea. I remember, I think it was like the last day of college where like, he just like looked at me and was like, Hey, uh, what do you think about this thing? Uh, I was like, Oh, well, was Shinsuke Nakamura on the main roster or something like that. I don't remember what it was. And I was like, Oh, this is what I would do. I would do this, 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 and then this, and then this is my booking program for the next setup for however many months. He's like, Oh, cool. I really like that idea. This is what I would do. And then it just sparked that interest, which eventually turned into the hit the book show. Uh, that we do where every single every single week we book our own version of raw and smackdown Before, when we started it was just smackdown working together and it's divulged into more competition of me versus him raw versus smackdown uh again i have a better brand but that's just as a point uh, very competitive apparently when it, when it comes to fake things um but then um when we were doing hit the books for a little bit we just started like having ideas and working with other people and coming up with stuff that was like new sort of um, project ideas. Like he wanted to look, he, at the time of doing hit the books, Mikey knew like nothing about independent wrestling. I would say like, if I, if you told him like, Hey, do you know who Will Osprey is? He would at the time been like, I have no idea who you're talking about. This was a guy that was like huge WWE guy. And that's not no slander to anyone that's right. a WWE person or even then. This is like 2017, 2018. So it's not the garbage pile even more than it is now. Um, but uh, that's a story for another day. But he sparked interest in like, well, I want to learn more about these things. And I had other ideas that I want to do. I was doing a show that was sort of about like AEW a little bit because AEW was starting and he was getting interest in all these new stars wanted to learn more about them so we were getting more ideas for projects and wanted to expand and wanted to work with more people and do these other ideas and so we came up and we were like hey we need to i think maybe formulate it more make it sort of umbrella around the hit the books podcast and these other things so they're not just individual podcasts but all under an umbrella and that's how sort of count out was born we were shooting around ideas we came up with count out came up with the logo um whole idea there is that you know we don't want to like we don't want to count you out that's the gimmick uh <laughs> is that we want to um both try our best and you know from our limited crew that we have now and what we got but try our best to have a variety of of ideas whether it be new japan whether it be independent wrestling wwe um, it's not just all review stuff. It's individual things. We want to try to gauge the audience in different ways, but also, you know, have fun with it, be professional and have fun with it all. My big thing is making quality shows. Um, because it is, because that is, in my opinion, what the audience would like. I, my film background that I mentioned, I got a degree in producing. So I, you know, have been sort of 
looking in terms of like, hey, this in cultivating that idea of like, what's good, what's great, like, what can we do to work on? What can we do to make these things better? And sort of, I wanted to also use that to like, maybe help other people who wanted to start podcasts and cultivate the shows like that. Like we did with Lauren Rosenberg and his show, Your Dose of Death. He's a big uh, deathmatch wrestling guy. I knew that he was passionate about it. We talked with him. We worked with him. He was able to, we were able to cultivate this uh, deathmatch interview wrestling show. And he's got a great show in sort of the deathmatch uh, universe, if you will. So that was the whole impetus of the whole idea. We wanted to expand that even more, uh, you know, all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking over your dose of podcasts now and um, I, well, I've only listened, you know, here and there to the hit the books. Like I've just started, you know, once I got to meet you, who you start to want to listen to someone that, you know, you've talked to, it makes it easier to get adjusted. But um, I, I love what you guys are doing there. Um, I think it's a big thing to, with these podcast networks, I think it's brilliant because it's a way for people that may not have the technical side down to get their show out there, or, you know, they're just nervous to, to get it out there. Um, I think that's major. And so I do applaud you on that. Um, Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Uh, but I, I just wanted to like, you know, the whole thing of like the count you out thing is like, I always want to have the invitation, the door open to either work with other people, or if you want to start a podcast and learn all these things, um, to have a way to and have a ground groundswell, have you know, foundation, I should probably say is the word right. of starting something. Cause I think this isn't like going to be slander to anyone else. Maybe I, ho- I hope not, but, uh, there, there, it is in this day and age, it's incredibly easy to start a podcast. I think factual, um, all you need really is a microphone and some way to upload it. You can, we all know how we, I mean, you and I both know this, you and I both have like professional looking microphones and everything, but you can <laughs> just use your AirPods. You can use your head, your no, headphone, whatever. Um, and then upload to uh, SoundCloud. That's how I first started upload the SoundCloud. And then it just boom uploads to everywhere. And then boom, you got a podcast. Yeah. But I think, um, and I think that's part of the, the, the thing about the uh, wrestling, you know, internet wrestling community is that there's a lot of podcasts because it's really easy to start a podcast. And yeah. everyone here want to talk about wrestling because that's what is, makes wrestling interesting to me um, in terms of a fan base part. But I, you know, it's, it's making those sort of quality podcasts. Um, not to say that other shit podcasts aren't in quality, but to say that like, you know, getting the professional microphone set up, making sure the things are edited, making sure music is there and trying to cultivate those more things. And we're still growing. I'm not, I'm not some sort of like, you know, genius at any of this stuff. You know, <laughs> we're still growing and, and always welcome to, you know, invest. Like I, I mentioned to you like last week and I'm talking a lot, but I mentioned to you last week about like the idea of like, I feel like there needs to be and I'm not necessarily the person to do this, but I feel like there needs to be some sort of like NWA for like the territories of podcasts, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like there, like there's like individual sp- spots of podcasts all over the place, but there needs to almost be like a connective tissue. Like Pete, we all need to like work together. And I think uh, all that working together, making good shows, can help raise the tide, which will obviously raise all ships. That's, I guess, part of my goal. I don't know. Yeah. Well, 
I think in time that, you know, becomes increasingly likely. Um, it's just a matter of, like you said, some people can make, everyone can make a podcast, but it's the people that stay with it and care about their podcast more that make it. And, you know, if you look at a site like yours, I can see that from top to bottom. And thank you. I know a few other places that do it. And what, again, what I'm trying to say is that is possible. It's just a matter of people working together, which is a big hurdle sometimes. Yeah. And work and outside of that, just having quality podcasts that people want to listen to. And I think for at least both of us, that is the goal with all we're doing. When you brought up my microphone, yes, there's a reason I have an expensive microphone. And it's simply so that it sounds well good because I could record a podcast into my phone tomorrow yes. and I don't know how it sounds because I don't want to try it, <laughs> but like, it's just a matter of, you know, learning. And I think at the early stage, this is for me, at least, I, I mean, I wasn't smart enough to do this, but I think for some people starting with like your phone or something like that actually is smart because you have to get used to it and you have to see if you enjoy it. You don't want to, you know, put out hundreds of dollars to get the soundboard and the microphone and the speakers and the headset. Like I totally understand that, but it, it, after a while, I think once you want to make that step, you invest. And um, I can tell you guys are doing that now. And I just want to applaud you guys for that. That's part of the reason I had you on here, but like I'm in competition with you. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to blow you up anymore. That's not happening. No, that's I no, Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. I guess I also don't appreciate it. Cause you don't want to blow me up anymore. Yeah. We're uh, not doing that anymore. That was enough. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's not like I'm, I, I'm, and to be clear, it's not like I'm trying to say that like, don't make a podcast because if you don't have a professional setup, that's real gatekeeping. And that's not what I'm saying. Right. What I'm saying is that like, what I want to try to do is, cultivate your show in terms of amping up the quality yeah. what makes a good show at a foundational level in my opinion is yes i can start it like you said i can start a podcast tomorrow by just recording into my phone uh and on uh memos on my iphone or whatever and then uploading it the next day i can do that there's nothing to stop me and it could be a great show uh if i am uh really good at talking for non-stop or whatever for however long and i can make a lot of solid points and interesting and able to discuss what i'm trying to say but then the sort of network part that i'm trying to help out with and elevation that sort of idea is well we can do that but let's try to then convert it into well let's see if you can get a microphone to do this into and let's see if we can maybe do some editing to take out all the ums and ahs uh the sneezes the sniffles the coughs let's see if we can take out some stuff let's put put some music in and do all these stuff and then help sort of elevate that part because you know i can talk into and have very great points about what i'm trying to say but if i'm talking to a tin can then no one wants to hear that because immediately when I hear a tin can sound, I, I, my ears go crazy. <laughs> and yeah. And I know like 
for some people, they just don't have the um, funds to do so, which is totally understandable. That's why I usually, anytime someone asks me, like if they're starting a podcast or um, just about equipment, I always um, give them the same microphone, which is the blue snowball. Um, that's yeah. what I, that's what I started off with. That's what a lot of people do because it's cheap, but it's solid. It may look, it may look wonky, but it works. I started and, with that snowball, moved into a Nessie, a uh, blue yes. Nessie microphone. I think I still have it somewhere. Um, but yeah, no, I I started with that USB. USB snow, USB blue microphones are the go-to easy starting point. Yeah, and um, I know a lot of uh, like broadcasters have the USB. Uh, I forget what the top blue one is called, but uh, are you talking about the Yeti cast? Yes, the Yeti, the bit, the. Uh, the uh, big usb one i know that's a big thing for other people too it's the usb thing so that's why i always say the snowball but to get out of the uh technicalities of podcasting i guess um why don't i ask you about the purpose of my podcast which is uh professional wrestling and the purpose of this entire conversation to be fair Which, no, we're, we're going to be here talking about uh, the best. We're going to start ranking the Yeti uh, blue, Yeti lineup for blue microphones. So first off, you got the Yeti Caster Pro. You want to get that? It's the highest expensive thing. You want to spend drop two hundred dollars oh. on that? Uh, yeah. No, go ahead. All right. <laughs> I'm going to well, start hijacking your own show. Well, 2021. That's what we are racing in. That's the year we're racing in because. Uh, I remember when you asked me and you sent me your notebook, I looked at your thing. I saw 2020. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't have 2020. So we better not be starting that year. Um, You know, but that's, that's the joke. So let me ask you 2021. We are recording this on March 14th, two days away from 316 day. Just putting that out there. Um, Let me ask you, what has been your favorite company to watch this year so far? This year, so far, I'm not going to look at my notebook because I know this perfectly. Um, I, I, it's, I don't, it hasn't reached the highest peak, but I think they've been the most consistently great, and that is AEW. Um, it's, you know, as, you know, a North American wrestling person, I make, I don't know why I said it like that. I watch all <laughs> the stardom and, and all this and other crap. Uh, I'm just going to move on. No, I think AEW has been the most consistently great. Um, you know, maybe we'll put a little asterisk on Revolution. But I, I think the, their data, their week-to-week television has been consistently great. They haven't been, like, the highest peak. Like, I thought Wrestle Kingdom, uh, New Japan was really great. I was a huge fan of the Naito Ibushi match and an even bigger fan of the Ibushi um, uh, Jay White match. I think Jay, I, right now I think that Jay White Ibushi match is my current match of the year um but that is to say that like you know new japan has also had a lot of boring stuff as well um but aew i think in my opinion has been the most consistently great uh, wrestling company right now um so far it's you know a lot can change and but even then that lot can change as soon as this pandemic's you know over hopefully by you know summer late summer fall uh pretty the wrestling gods um i think they will just take the ball and run with it they were doing some of the best wrestling pre-pandemic they're doing they have been one of the best promotions i would say that do pandemic wrestling in terms of weekly tv 
And I think once they get out of the pandemic and able to start touring again, I think it's just going to be even better. Yeah, I kind of feel you're going to say AEW. Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean you think you're going to say that? I mean, you're not the only person that says it. So, like, yeah. it's just a matter of that. Um, AEW, I also expected you to bring up New Japan because I know you're a big fan of their product. But here's the thing with me and AEW, as people who have listened to my show have heard, I'm very, I've been very hit or miss with them for mm-hmm. like since the beginning. It's not because I don't like the talent, I love the talent. It's, I, sometimes just don't like the way they handle some talent. Um, the Lucha bros are like my dudes. They are my dudes. And I would even throw pack in there and him not being there for like the better part of last year kind of just was like, Oh, this is, yeah, this is fine. Like those three are my guys. So I've really liked AEW since death triangle stepped back into the spotlight. And I think it has all to do with them. Uh, and I think they're doing a lot of good stuff since the end of last year, especially uh, I would say winter's coming was probably yeah. like the real launching point to them ha- feeling. I'm not saying they feel like they made it because they made it long before that, but they just felt like established now. And I, I'm not saying it's because Sting showed up. Lord knows I'm not saying it's because the 61-year-old man decided to show up to AEW. I think it's more with the Omega stuff. I like what him and Moxley did, even though I'm not a big death match guy at all, at all. Like we went, we went over this last week. I was, <laughs> I didn't know how to feel, but exploding death match. Um, but I feel like that story was great. Um, and then the women's tournament was awesome. Like they are putting in all the effort in this COVID era that, a certain company isn't always necessarily doing. And I'm not trying to bash them because that's not what I try to do on my show, except I think I had like a whole entire dialogue of 14 minutes complaining about them last week. Uh, But yeah, I can give you AEW. I mean, I'm not picking AEW, but I can give you AEW. Well, I feel like as the guest, I'm more than welcome to bash uh, anything. (laughs) Uh, No, I, I, I would agree that winter is coming felt like the moment like, I feel like they were being consistently good and they were trying to do yeah. their best and figure it out and stuff. But I feel like Winter's Coming is the moment where it sort of, it came together and then it was like, it was perfect. They figured out what to do and they all came together at Winter's Coming. And then that moved into the, you know, the beautiful episode of the Brody Lee tribute, the oh. memorial episode, moved into, you know, next month with the New Year's Eve bash, uh, moved into, obviously, the build-up to Revolution, all these I like these special dynamites they do since they only have the four pay-per-views a year. I always really appreciate those because they make them feel important. Like next week. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, with the, the, was it St. Patty's something St. Patrick's day slam, I think, or something like that. It's always, a, it's always a, the holiday plus a uh, slam or bam. Yeah. It's always the same thing. Um, uh, then so you said your match of the year is Jay White and Coda from uh Russell Kingdom Night Two. Okay, okay, well, you kind of took that question away from me. That's fine. Uh, I, I come prepared, baby. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> I, I thought that match was great because of the Jay White story. I mean, supplement that with also the promo following his match. I do love the Jay White story. It, it, the story told in that match of a heel 
trying everything, everything in his in arsenal and then constantly failing. And then him looking to Gato and being like, what do I do next? And Gato's like, uh, do this maybe. And then it doesn't work like him. It, it not only showcases, you know, Abushi as like the God character that he's trying to put on, but Jay White as sort of like, you know, you want to see, especially at big shows, in my opinion, you want to see your heels ultimately fail at their job. And I think new Japan does that at a very good level. They do a good job of building up heels to be dangerous, but then there is the ultimate failure of the heels. I think you now I'll bash them. WWE is a really bad company that does that because they'll have heels just be good at the top and then that's it. And then they don't, it, then the person lose, but not by like a clean finish, but maybe something ridiculous. Um, and there's other companies that do similar, you know, similar stuff or different things and all that sort of stuff. But it's, it's, in my opinion, if you're a good booking, long-term booking thing is that you want them to ultimately fail. And I love the story of Jay White's thing. Cause he didn't fail by anything else other than his, like his own wrestling. It, it came down to his own wrestling. He, which brought him to the dance to begin with, but it's here. It's like, I I don't know. I, d- I don't know what to do next. I've done everything. I, uh, what else, what else can I do? And he has to invent something else or do something else or do something again and be like, maybe this will work. And he's like that frantic energy of like, what do I, what do I do? Okay. I'm going to try this. Uh, that didn't work. Uh, Gato, any ideas? And he's like, oh, I'll punch him. Like, okay. I'll punch him. Uh, and you know, that, that frantic emphasis of like, you know, you could see the, the villain freaking out and being scared. Because I think I also like that in wrestling that in that moment you could see the villain being scared and villain being scared of like, oh, I'm about to lose. I need to think of something. I just really enjoyed that story. Yeah, and I think a big thing for me, um, like you talked about the heel, you know, losing in the end. Um, For me, what that story ended up being or could be, which they don't seem to be going that direction yet, you know, because of that promo after the match, which I thought is to me the promo of the year, probably won't be topped. Um, they could, they didn't, again, they did not do this. They could have built him up as a baby face. And I think once the eventual evil versus Jay White thing happens, that could be an avenue they go down. Because listen, Jay White's a guy, if you don't follow his character on just, new japan like television and you just follow like the guy he is as like a person he is a a guy you want to cheer for like he's a very cool dude and um, he represents the right things Uh, and i think to me that is why i kind of want him to see in that redemption story down the line yeah um i i don't know if that's what you kind of felt from that especially the promo after because yeah, he came up as a failure um, not to sound so harsh, but he did. That's what, that's what the story was. And I think even in that post-match promo, he admitted himself. He's like, I failed, you know? Yeah. And I think that could be the beauty of the story they're trying to tell. Yeah. I think new Japan lays lays like seeds and the, the groundwork of these things all the time. And I think that's what it is. I, I, I feel like they are eventually going to do it. But you have to think about like, well, what are the steps to get there that they could do? Well, they could have have Jay White as the heel go back in there and fail again. 
yeah. you, know, you could then you could say like oh it wasn't a fluke maybe he gets a new move but then it still doesn't work against koto abushi and then boom that's another couple months you have until we get there you then have to have him have this sort of evil rivalry that sort of has been we know it's happening <laughs> dissolvement of the bullet club uh or rearrangement of the bullet club or whatever that feels like it's happening there has to be a point where he loses gato um because i think you know yeah. he would have to um and this can you know and this could be done over the course of a year or two honestly right. all, the, all these points feel like they need to be hit before babyface jay white wins the the big title and the mm-hmm. problem also is maybe and they've also started to maybe hint towards this as well is well if he's going to become the big babyface jay white who is going to be the person he takes down to win the title it does also feel like because of the story he has to be the one that takes down kotobushi who in my brain would be like well then kotobushi has to play the heel in that said match yeah because he like he needs to become like oh we need to be supportive of jay white and want him to win and figure out how to supersede this godlike you know creature <laughs> hey i think you can get kota ibushi boot very fast he's making a title that people love disappear yeah really <laughs> really easily I, I i you can do that right away i think i think if you wanted to um you could do a story quick story if they wanted to like uh hit eject have the yeah. hand cup winner uh just be like i just want the one title i'm not I'm not this unified thing and just real have them win it and just eject it from the whole story. Um, and I think, honestly, I if I was New Japan, you know, and I feel like there are, they are, that's why they're doing it, is that New Japan have gotten, like, backlash uh, before I, uh, about, like, unification titles, like, way back in the day. I, I, I don't know, like, you know, because the internet doesn't, didn't necessarily exist or, you know, unless it was early internet, but like in other companies, whenever there's like unifications, people don't always like it. I mean, you look at like the triple crown or whatever. I'm not sure what was the uh, talk around town that in those days, but I imagine people were like, no, don't unify all these titles. We want to have separate titles. Right. Um, and I, it, like, if you're smart, like new Japan has been for a very long time, I think you use that as the steppy st- stepping stone to a heel Abushi. Cause it'd be like, well, no, he took away the lineage. He's saying that he's trying to continue the lineage, but really we all don't see it that way, you know? So if you can't, if you can't convince them, you got to join them. Right. Right. And to me, the God stuff that he does, um, you know, where he just no sells all of a sudden that could easily be taken down the heel route as well. Uh, and, I think the big part of turning Jay White babyface is that they have been looking for that. I'm not saying Jay White's the replacement to Kenny Omega, but like that's kind of the way I'm thinking of it because that that was a tough loss for them because they were trying to expand into America and have this, you know, top guy that people like and for a while there will osprey looked like he was going to be the one to replace omega but people do not like will osprey and there's many reasons behind that so it's almost like because of will osprey in real life um jay white has to switch roles a bit and i think i think it could work 
And I like the story that you kind of put out there. I don't even know how we ended up, you know, booking New Japan right now, but that's how we ended up. Uh, but no, yeah, it's I, I think if you had to go to America and run your biggest card um, with no Japanese um, available, which I've seen. Remember, remember a couple of years ago when New Japan tried to run a show in America and because of Trump, uh, they were not allowed to have any Japanese talent. I remember that. Yeah, I was at that show and it was boring as hell. <laughs> it was like, I and mean, it was interesting, but it was like, you got a guys like John Schuyler in there. Yeah, it was weird. I, I was here to see other people. Um, and I mean, you got great old Karn back when he was just starting the gimmick. And so it was real weird still. Um, he didn't, he didn't know exactly what to do yet, but now he's figuring it out. And then I was at the, I think it was the year f- prior uh, or the year following when it was, uh, um, which it, when it was uh, in like doing the tour in like the South of like Atlanta and everything, yeah. that was the year when uh, Kota Bushi was supposed to be there, but then he got sick real bad and he couldn't show up. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. I also had the other thought the other day that both of those shows that one in North Carolina I went to was the last uh, tour run of uh, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta in new Japan before uh, AEW started. Oh, then, wow. And then the Atlanta show I went to was the last tour run of Lance Archer before he left for AEW. That's pretty interesting. What I'm saying is I'm very excited to see the next time New Japan comes down (laughs) to the South so I can guess who's joining AEW. Yeah, that's that's kind of funny how that just happened to work out for you. Um, But I feel like like Jay White, I guess one of the points I was going to say was that I, the biggest wrestling match you can do with no Japanese talent is probably honestly Jay White versus Will Ospreay. Uh, You know, it was a big match that I don't know if they've done a lot recently. I can't honestly remember if they've done the match in recent years, but it was a huge loved, beloved, beloved match in ring of honor back in the couple years ago. And uh, you know, I think, that is that is eventually what you're going to do. I think, you know, there's the Kenny Omega aspect of it all, of losing him and having to reshuffle the deck and figure out what they're going to do, especially with this American expansion. And I think they're starting to do that. The common trope right now is that New Japan has, entered, has just ended an era and are starting a new one. So we still got plenty of time, right. I'm at least on the board, on the, all aboard the train to see where we go. I guess it is worth me pointing out that Kenny Omega is very much going to have a match with New Japan. And very as soon as possible, I think that's going to happen. And uh, as we like to say, the forbidden door is open. I feel like that saying has very much uh, blown up in the past few months, especially last night with the impact stuff. But yes, let me ask you, what are you, is there anything you're really looking forward to this year in terms of wrestling? Like just off the top of your head. The easy answer is I am looking forward to crowds being back. That uh, is, that's yeah. the easy, obvious answer that's like, you know, outside of wrestling is right. I want the world to go back to where it was and I want to see the crowds again. I think everyone would agree with that is that we all want to have the, the crowds go again. So again, go take your, I'll plug it here, take your vaccines, wear your mask still. Yes. Um, but, you know, I, that's the only way we'll get crowds back and I want to see crowds again because as we sort of talked about before the show revolution doing these long shows without those hot crowds. I don't know. I don't know. Guys. <laughs> but, uh, 
but I'm very excited to just see crowds back. Other than that, um, thinking about it for a second, I am, I'm excited where we will go with, um, I'm trying to think if there's any like specific storylines and stuff. I mean, I'm really excited to see how the Kenny Omega AEW world title storyline unfolds. Um, you know, I think that your best bet is he's going to have a long title reign. I, I've seen people just be like, oh, you know, then you can have it on, have it on Pac, then on page and swap it around from pay-per-view to pay-per-view. I was like, no, I think he has a long title reign. I don't think he's losing a title until page is ready. Um, which I think he's just moments away from being ready. Poor Paige um, is on like the afterburner because I think he's like, so I, I'm not going to go off on a take on uh, poor Hangman Page here, oh, but go on. go on that take. I, I feel like <sighs> this guy to me, mm-hmm. you know, he was getting to his most popular with fans at the beginning of the pandemic. And I think he's. God bless him. He's kept that popularity to this point. He just had a match with, Matt Hardy on pay-per-view that went 15 minutes for no reason at all because Matt Hardy in 2021 should not be having that long of a match. And the way they're booking page, I don't know if you've seen this take. I've seen it a few times. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why his TV matches against some person that is usually on AEW dark has to last 10 minutes. Like when, when does AEW put page into the, just strap the rocket to him and like let him dominate because he's got the character work down. I like the stuff he's doing with dark order, but like you said, like we are getting to the point where he's very much going to be ready to win that world title, but I don't think they are ready to take it off Kenny for another five months, at least. Like, I think he's locked into a very big spot here. And I also would hang I will admit I would hold off on the hangman win until you have a crowd. Yes. Because that will be phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when that's possible. Maybe, maybe all out fingers crossed. Like that could be the place maybe revolution next year. Right. Like that's, I feel like there, I mean, I guess you could crown a full gear, but that'd be kind of weird to me just because I don't, I see full gear as like their B pay-per-view. I don't know why, it's just like out of all the four they do, it feels like the weakest one, even though like the past two have been really good. It's it's weird how like that feels for me. I'm just so used to like, oh, this is an A pay-per-view. This is a B pay-per-view. Like I think that's the WWE brain that yeah, just accidentally has developed. But my case in point is I think Paige is so close to being ready, if not already. Mm-hmm. So how do they tell the story? Because he's going to be middling in that mid card slash high, uh, low high card for a very long time. And I think that's dangerous for him because he is very popular right now. I think one of Tony Khan's greatest booking strengths are, is his stubbornness. Um, He's willing to change things, but he's also, stubborn in the way of like no we have to wait until this happens so we have to do this first yeah um and it's not like the stubbornness like vince where he ignores everything right that's very different (laughs) i feel like the they made the rule 
or they made the idea of like we like you just said adam page's story will be the best the the he was the hottest thing of crowds and then the pandemic happened and then the crowds went away and it's sort of he's been meddling and i don't know if that's i think what that is to me is they decided that we have to wait until crowds come back to really push him back up to the moon is because they want adam page to be the fans big star yeah. um and you can't do that without the fans so i think they are just waiting for the fans to come back and that's when they do the thing i think as soon as the fans come back adam page will be back up into the top of the card a little bit more but i think a lot of this has just been them knowing that adam page is a big star but just sort of doing these various other storylines to try to get him to do something to that's important that's you know in in storyline and on tv and pay-per-views and then when the crowds come back we can jump them up because like you said you don't you don't have him win the title unless crowds are there um and i think that's i don't know if he would have won the title if you would have i don't think he would be champion yet i don't think he would have either i think they have their world title planned out for the next several years um but i it's just their it's their hands are tied they're the ones doing it but their hands are tied in a way you know what i mean yeah they're Ah. it's wrestling booking and the best thing about booking and wrestling is that you can do whatever the hell you want um so they're they're tying their own hands but it's it's like that we've seen the same thing with the women's division which is another talking point for, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. I when i say aw is the best promotion i wouldn't say that they have had they've been excellent in every aspect but i think part of the reason that women's the uh, women's division aw has been uh the way it has been is because they are so stubborn when it comes to wanting to have the joshi talent be arguably the stars of the women's division which is great the joshi talent are great um but the problem is is they had we had at the time no idea how long the pandemic was gonna last we had no idea we we're gonna get the joshi talent in and then it just sort of was like middling doing nothing until the joshi talent started to come in and now it's starting to pick up steam a little bit. yeah um so i'm gonna go back to your point of the um, aw world titles kind of being planned out for years to come which is a great thing but also a bad thing when you see so to me, this is how I think the AEW world title is going to go. Like, this is just me. Uh, yeah. Tell me how you feel. So okay. Kenny has his dominant reign for a while. He's going to be the belt collector. Like, I think that's where we're going here, clearly. He's going to collect it. He's going to be impact world champion, which is going to be weird as shit. Um, he's probably going to have that match with Cody Bushi for the IWGP world heavyweight championship at one time or another when that's allowed. Um, but clearly, I think... Hangman Page was the man that takes it from him because that is the story that they planned out. You know, they were tag team partners. They met in the finals of that tournament. Kenny went on to win. Hangman failed again. Hangman builds himself up, yada, 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 which is great. Great story. And I think it's going to be a great finish to that. And then after that, you would think it'd have to be MJF because, hear me out here. Hangman Page is going to be that massive babyface champion. That is clearly what he is. And you're going to need a heel to beat him. And they are higher on MJF than even fans. Like, MJF just got his own faction. Like, this, they are putting everything behind him just as much, if not more, than Hangman Page. So you would think he would be the one to beat Hangman. 
and someone uh, ran, uh, pitched to me on Twitter. This was an interesting one. What if that diamond ring that he's had turns into like, okay, so not clearly not now, but like, what if that ended up being a title opportunity, which I thought would have made sense back in the day when they first debuted it. Cause I still don't understand it two years later. Um, and I think it's just one of those Cody things where he likes right. to have these sort of like gimmicks. Yeah. Be yeah, like, like, hey, here you go. Like MJF is the perfect guy. I'm not saying they should have money in the bank, but this is this is kind of the basis idea. He would be the perfect guy to have that type of thing, where he screws over the babyface champion. And this isn't WWE booking in my head, but any way that MJF could screw over Hangman instantly makes him a bigger heel, and makes Hangman a bigger babyface. And I think that's where they're going. However, you have so many great talents that, you know, that should derail any of these plans. You have a Phoenix, you have a pack pack. I think is one of the most, the best all around talents in wrestling, like promos wrestling, got it all. And then you got Moxley. Who's going to, how long are you going to keep him out of the title picture? You know, like he's not a guy you can keep out for long. You have Eddie Kingston who would be a phenomenal babyface champion. Like there are so many guys I can just read off and like, like, let's be honest, Cody Rhodes is going to win that title someday. Let's not act like it's not going to happen. It's just a lot. Like they have so much talent. How, how far can you book without, you know, understanding that, you know, things change. People get hot. Daniel Bryan is the biggest example of that of all time. He got hot and they had no choice. So you tell me what, like, because I agree with you, they have their title booked in the future. How do they play with those plans? Because like you said, Tony Khan can be stubborn. Like we're going to get to this spot no matter what. Yeah. And that stubbornness is a good or, and bad stubbornness, like I sort of talked about, but yeah, no, I agree. It, it's the thing of like, I mean, we're already also already seeing it that heel face uh, world champions. They flip every single time. Yep. Hangman Page is not going to turn face, or oh, sorry, not going to turn heel when he's champion. No, they they passed on that when uh, he stayed popular, so they yeah. turned Kenny heel instead. Yeah, which is a a good move. I mean, yeah, you do that. Right. Is a, I think would play a better heel anyways. Um, no, I think Kenny Omega has a solid reign. I think he has a lot of solid contenders. You know, you have your Christian Cages, you got your uh, Eddie Kingston's, you got Pac. You know, that's a pay per view match. Um, I I don't think Pac's gonna win though, but sucks because I think you're right. I think yeah. hanging out a page and and going with that same idea that he'll face dynamic thing. Unless you flip Pac back, I don't know. I think MJF would be the great idea. I think MJF, even the story optics of it all, of being this sort of egotistical, um, I don't want to say money grubbing because that's more Matt Hardy, but egotistical rich affluent guy who you has all these other guys who now we can throw at adam page um where adam page is blue collar uh millennial cowboy i just optically i think it makes the most sense to have jet mjf take the title from him yeah and i think that works by time the omega reign is over and the adam page reign is over you got mjf hopefully presumably ready to go into your world title <laughs> picture how long that is we're away from that though is the question you know if yeah you know if we're 40 years from now and mjf is just now getting into it i'm gonna lose my gourd but right 
but you're right. It's like, but then it's because then it's also like, when do you have, when do you get the cool new hire who can easily be world title? Let's say, let's, I mean, maybe you won't get him on too, but you get Andrade in AEW. He's a solid title contender. Maybe don't put him on the title yet because it doesn't work for the story. But I got, that. I got another curveball for you after. Good to you. Uh, but let's just to go and let's say someone who is definitively world title contender. Let's, you know, looking at WWE as the guidance here, let's say AEW picks up Seth Rollins. Insane move. No way it's going to happen. But let's yeah, say they pick one. up, let's pick, <laughs> yeah, let's say they pick up Seth Rollins. Obvious world title champion. Obviously, someone you put the title on. He's a huge name. He's a huge name in North America. People would do that. The problem is also you got the impact dust there where it's like, oh, a new person comes in, we'll put the title on him. And you don't want that either. So uh, they're in this sort of sticky situation where it's like, well, if we're going to be stuck on this path, which is a good path, which is I think as most fans would be happy with this path of Adam Page, that MJF, and then another face. Wardlow. That Wardlow would be great. I think that'd be a good contender. I don't know if he'll win it though, which is upsetting because Wardlow is awesome. He's the yeah. Batista. I think maybe after that, the plan would be Jungle Boy. But I don't oh, please. I love Jungle Boy. Is anywhere close to that right now? Yeah, have, but we don't know how long we don't know how long in the future this is. That's the crazy own, part. Yeah, no, that, that's the other problem. Because I think Adam Page could have a really long title reign. Uh, yeah. I, that might also uh, my other thing about Jungle Boy. I don't think he's as big as we all think he should be. Um, uh, no, I, I, I think like, you know, you can build up these other stars and build up these other things and there i think part of it also is like we all want we like you said that wwe brain rot sort of thing of like we want to see the title pass around we want to see these big name stars come up and do these things but it's also like well it's new to us so they have to go on this thread this type wire tight wire where it's like you don't want to give your titles to everyone and you want it to be important but you can't wait too long because we're going back to Jungle Boy, if we're waiting four years for him to start being important, really, I, I don't Ooh. know if anyone can wait four years. Right. I don't want to. MGF winning the world title. I don't want to wait four years for that to happen. Right. I'm invested. I'm going to be invested. But they, the, they, you run the risk of losing investment. You run the risk of coming up with stale storylines. You run yeah. the risk of having MJF with Chris Jericho and making him not as cool anymore because Chris Jericho has really soured on everyone over the summer. Uh, despite turning face um you know it, it i don't know these are all my and and again like they have i think the number's like around 90 signed talents now yeah. which is absurd and i will i will happily crap on wwe once in a while but i will say the thing with them they have double that in talent probably at least mm-hmm. but they have so many titles that, like, I feel like it's not a race to the title as much there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying AW needs to introduce another world title. That is not at all what I need. Um, I mean, if they introduce a dark title, I could see that happening down the line. Like, some, like, uh, that could be like their title for the next future star or something. Like, yeah. a Jungle Boy would be a good fit for that, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my point is, what happens with? this new japan deal what happens when okada can and will show up in AEW? are you just gonna say yeah no you know what 
we have Hangman penciled in for, to be champion, not Okada. So we're not going to do that. Like, you you have to think because the people in America they they want to see Okada. I remember going to a New Japan show, and when he showed up into this, it was just like it was one of their live show circuits that they did right before the pandemic, and it was just a tag match. But when he showed up, you thought like there was like this big rock star coming in. Like that's how popular he is, and we have been talking about this whole episode. What happens when fans come back? What happens when Oma, Omega, Omega? What happens when Okada can no, travel? No, that's Chris Jericho. He's Omega. Oh, right. What, <laughs> happens, <laughs> what happens when Okada can travel to the United States yeah. and there's fans there and he has that match with Kenny because, come on, that's that's the title match to have. And how do you say no to ch- um, titling up Kazuchika Okada when you have the opportunity and with the New Japan deal you would think hey you guys need to give us something here and that would be probably it the problem with all of that is that Okada presumably would be a New Japan contracted star and I you don't I don't think you put a title on another company star you never know because uh, Impact's about to do it in about a month I don't, Impact also just did a couple days ago. By this having, is true. This having, is good point. But it's also Impact. Well, this is, this is true. This is true. But I think Tony Khan works differently. Like, yeah. he's not afraid to do something like that. Now, it, it's just it's just the curveball that I want to add in there because, again, 90, 90 wrestlers you work for, I would say 50, no, more, way more than 50, like 70 of them are male talent, and 20 of them are potential world champions, at least right now. Yeah. And then you have the jungle boys and people like that, that will develop into that. So like, how do you book so far ahead? Because Tony Khan clearly has booked this far ahead. They have planted the seeds for the hangman story and MJF is come on. We know he's going to be world champion. So it's just, it's so tough. That's the world of pro wrestling. I think he will be willing to, switch it up if needed if a i'm not saying a daniel bryan thing will happen but like that's a possibility that's how wrestling works i believe that is the fall this year is when his contract is up yeah that would be um if daniel bryan walked into aw he might have to change his plans <laughs> I, think, I, I think it's like a september maybe i think it's something like that and also sammy yeah. zane is up in the fall of this year sammy zane would be interesting too but i uh, see you, you bring up the point these are all great points because it is this thing of like, you know, it's the, it's the challenge of fantasy booking, right? And also just booking in general. I've, like I said, I do a show where I've been about booking, this, right? I've been booking, a, booking Raw SmackDown for two plus years now, right? I am currently in a storyline where Keith Lee is my world champion. Uh, and I have had the idea, the forethought of, Keith Lee winning the title, def- who he's defending against WrestleMania, and who's taking the title from him since uh, maybe uh, April of last of last year, and it's almost and, and you know my point exactly. And so it's like you gotta you want to have these long term plans in place, but then it's also like you know I'll get on my roster all of a sudden like. Uh, a big wrestling star and it's like who like on my roster i also have like roman reigns and drew mcintyre and it's like oh man those are good world title contenders but it's also like okay 
how do I find a way to distract them from the world title? Because I don't yeah. know what to put them there. But it's this thing of like, you know, you bring in these huge names like Okada or sign on big guys like Andrade, uh, big, easy stars to put the title on. And it's figuring this out. And it's all figuring this, this, this long-term story and doing all these things and trying to get what you want immediately. And it's, it's figuring this out. There's also the aspect that, that they're going to have that second show, not dark, not elevation. They have a whole nother show yeah. like Dynamite that's on the horizons. Are they going to do a dual world title? Um, I would say they should because they have enough people, like you said, keep it fully separated, have it two separate worlds like that. I say you do. That way you can do the at Hangman Adam Page, then into the MJF storyline while you're also doing, I don't know who would be a good world title besides those guys. Let's just say Ray Phoenix, put the title on Ray Phoenix. Don't get my hopes up. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> and then you got Pentagon and all that stuff, and you can do Pac, and that would be, or you no, know, Pac would be a great person to put the title on there. Yes. Um, but doing these sort of things about like, you know, having these options to go with. And it's it's a tough gambit to to fantasy book that far ahead. I don't want to say fantasy because he's Tony Khan doing it, but he's really, he's fantasy booking that far right. ahead. That's really what he's doing. He, he is. A pen. Uh, it's, you know, how can I do these things while also being flexible enough for new ideas? It's a challenge. I don't have the answer, even though I've been someone that, you know, I put my money where my mouth is on, on hit the books, but it's also like, you know, you got to think of these things and it's how, what are you going to do? How are you going to build up? I've been building up a story on hit the books for the course of a year. And I'm just now, I'm just now sort of like getting ready to go for it. Um, which, so I'm excited about that, but yeah, no, I don't know. It, it's to really answer the question. It's like, I, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's so tough. tough. It's, a tough <laughs> it's a tough one. It's I, it, as long as it's good, you know, yeah. That, at the end of the day, as long as it's good, it tells a, um, a, in terms of just screenwriting, it tells a comprehensive story that is enjoyable to the masses and people enjoy it. And you don't have some sort of big thing at the end uh, where you get a wet fart of sparklers. I mean, that's, that's the challenge is, you know, think of, I'll just talk about it because I want to talk about it right now. Just think about how Revolution would have ended if that ring actually like exploded and made a cool smoke bomb. Uh, that would have been a huge moment, huge, beautiful, historic moment in wrestling. And then just a wet fart at the end there. Uh, and then you have to change everything. You could have easily had Moxley off TV all of a sudden, but now he kind of has to be on TV because it wouldn't make any sense if he's just gone. Right. Um, continuity speaking it's it's that it's being making sure you're continuous making sure you are making something enjoyable making sure you're doing all these things there's other things like you said i want people up there i want to have some more people of color in the world title picture uh that's a that's a complaint i have uh you know it's and they're building people up i think scorpio sky would be a great contender to and had him page if he wins with the world title uh, Powerhouse Hobbs is going to be at, at that spot, I think, in a few, probably two years or so. He'll be ready for that spot, but that's a good point. Um, I'm trying to be a great pick. Right, and, like, I meant to go back to your women's division thing, but I went on the Okada spiel, so I kind of lost that. But, like, clearly, it to me, I've never seen a bigger, like, guarantee of a star than Jade. Jade's going yeah. to be their star. Like that is certified done. 
that is going to be their woman star that they build around for as long as she wants to be around. Like, I think that's set. And then you'll have the Joshi come in and, you know, steal the show, which, you know, not a shock there. Uh, But as the Joshi head on the show. Yeah. Um, But like they have people that you see as their future stars. I think that's a credit to them that you know that a jungle boy is going to be a world champion down the line. You have an MJF who was almost world champion this past year already. And then you have hangman who, of course we know they want to be their essential ace. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll uh, move off the fun AEW talk. Um, you know, I only, I'm only going to do this for a few more minutes because you've already given me a great hour of, uh, fun conversation is there any wrestling you're trying to get into by the end of the year uh joshi more stardom uh i don't have stardom subscription and i want to watch more of it so i, I great all, choice all, the only reason i need to solve it is just buy the god dang thing um that's why all that's the best way to solve the, solve the issue is just buy the god dang product but it's it's something that i have seen a, a bunch of and right. I get more into it because it has been interesting. It that has that, you know, that Japan quality of like, even if I don't understand the people, I, they still tell good enough stories and have good enough wrestling that I understand what they're trying to do through wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and stardom is one of those, you know, you, you can easily say the biggest promotion, a women's promotion in Japan. Um, I easily say the biggest women's promotion probably in the entire world. Um, and, they have been doing great stories. I know of great stories. You know, the whole uh, Julia story is very intriguing to a lot of people right now. The whole uh, Tom and Mayu story has already been going on as well. Oh, yeah, we have a lot of stories going on. <laughs> they, they have like seven stories with just Tam going on at once. It's actually yeah. wild. Yeah, and it's they they know what they're doing they know how to tell good stories as well and it's it's a it's a promotion i know that i'm lacking in in terms of my world view of watching wrestling and obviously like we talked about there's only so much time you have uh to to do these things but i want to get more into stardom i i feel like it would be really good there's also other things that like you know it doesn't have to do with this year but there's also like other stuff that I want to get into. I want to watch all of WCW um, as painful as it might be at the end there. Uh, I want to watch all of the old WCW because also what I've really enjoyed going through G1 and only old G1 climaxes is there are a lot of, I'm a, I've become a huge fan of Vader and a huge fan of Rick Rude. Vader's uh, man. Rick Rude was great. Uh, <laughs> his G1 climax run was amazing. It's so good. He is so great at wrestling, in my opinion. Uh, you know, maybe he's not the best guy, but he was just so fantastic. Uh, but it's I want to watch the old stuff and watch the new stardom and get into these things. And it's just finding the time to do it, really. Uh, that I, you know, I need to figure all that out. I strictly asked you the question to bring up stardom. Just letting you know that. <laughs> like I knew the answer, and I was like, I'm, I'm still going to ask him because I want him to bring it up. But yeah, all you gotta do is just buy the subscription. You're you're, lo- you're locked in. Uh, and you know, it's funny you bring up the old stuff. Like I would love to go back and watch old stuff, but there's just so much new stuff every week now that I follow. So like, 
balancing that has been tough, but yeah, yeah you should definitely watch stardom. Uh, you can, I'd love to see, like, I always, so I started watching stardom. It, we're almost at a year since I like really jumped into it. Really? Um, started at the beginning of its history and went through and now we're caught up and watching every show. Uh, but I'd love to see who, you know, you grasped on, grasped on to, because I think the greatest thing about wrestling as a whole is people just find different favorites that yeah. you may not necessarily understand, but Hey, that's, that's the beauty of it. Um, I, I mean, I think any normal person will probably f- love Mayu Iwatani. So that's just a guarantee, but it's the, uh, Utami Hayashishita, who is the, world of stardom champion it's the konami who's just badass it's momo who's one of my absolute favorites in the entire world that i complain about every single day on twitter there's like there's just these keep complaining (laughs) it's never ending um (laughs) uh but like that's i think that's the beauty of it and definitely uh hope you check it out because i i know you've watched some of it so it's not like you're going in totally blind it's just a matter of uh consistently yeah and even if you got the subscription and just watched the all-star dream cinderella show i think that would be a great point to launch from because that was the biggest show they've ever had and the final three matches are Two of them are one and two on my match of the year list. Like, that's how good they were. Um, and the third one is uh, top five. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for our March update on the race because I know it's just going to be all three matches from uh, All-Star Dream. It absolutely is already. <laughs> like, unless, like, something comes out of nowhere, it's those three. But my point is, yes, watch watch everything. And if you ever want to recommend me something from any sort of the world, please do. Because I think that is the beauty of pro wrestling. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's already been a couple stars in stardom that have popped up to me. I really enjoy Azume. Azumi? Azume? Azumi. Azumi. Uh, I we think- love Azumi. She's great been choice. great. I think just uh, that high speed style is very yeah. easy to watch. Uh, you know, uh, I really enjoy Mayu Itani as the top there. Big fan of Momo. Big fan of Konami. I really enjoy Konami. You pretty um, much just named like my top five. Yeah. Uh, of like wrestlers in the world that I enjoy watching outside of Julia. Like that's pretty much everyone you named. I haven't seen enough of Julia to really give my thoughts on her and i know that as a fact i can look she's very polarizing to say the least (laughs) i'm trying to see if i can well you like the new japan style so i think you'll enjoy her i think i will too it's just i need to watch i know for a fact i need to watch more of her because i just haven't seen enough of her i've only is this correct i've only Wait, how is this correct? I've seen eight Julia matches. What? Um, that seems like a decent amount, my friend. Yeah, no, that does seem like a decent amount. I think the most like tag matches, though. Um, okay, that surprised that really surprised me all of a sudden. But I haven't. I but even then, like I haven't seen her in like big world title stuff. I feel like I've seen her a lot of like tag stuff, but I need to see her more. But I really right. Konami. I thought it was really good. There was like a Tony Storm Momo match that I watched that made me really fall in love with Momo. Um, 
Tony Storm and Stardom. That's a topic that people like to talk about. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna. I don't know enough to talk about that. But let's just say it's not all positive. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, I think there there's interesting people and interesting stuff in there, and it's just it's a group that I'm trying to do with the same way I'm trying to do how I got into New Japan, which was listen to podcasts about Stardom, about what's happening in Stardom. And then I'm going to like, there's going to hype me up and the podcast will hype me up inevitably. Do you need a recommendation? What's that? Do you need a recommendation for a stardom podcast? It's not mine. So <laughs> uh, stardom quest, that will be the one to listen to. Um, Alex Richards and Dylan Murray are two of the best when it comes to stall, uh, stardom knowledge. And they preview and uh, talk about every show every week, uh, every single week. So if there's one that really gets you into it, it's that one. Quest? Stardom yeah. Quest, yeah. It's under the Dragon Suplex Network, so it might not come up. Uh, no, I can't it, watch it. It's a, it's a, it's oh, a- right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, yeah don't, now, I don't listen to things on my <laughs> Right, right, yeah. If you only listen to things on yours, then, like, you're not going to know about Stardom. Come on, man. Uh, there's one there's a thing called stardom quest backup by alex richards i imagine that would be uh yeah that's him having to back up certain things that fail um which was one episode here yeah um let me let me now i'm just looking at my phone um stardom quest episode 29 i guess i'll click on that don't have a separate feed though no they do not oh well, they have it on anchor but like it's easier just to i don't know if you have an iphone or um otherwise but yeah so it just pops up i usually listen to their show once a week but that would be my recommendation to get into it and uh yeah i can't sing the praises enough like i could spend another hour here but i'm not going to do that to you um more than okay with it <laughs> I'm more more than okay with it. I would just have to carve out the time. We have the time. We have like thirty minutes. Yeah, um, well, maybe I maybe here's what I need you to do. I think I'm just gonna need you to watch All Star Dream Cinderella. Come back, yeah. and we'll just talk about that show because pff, I could talk about it every single week. Oh, I yeah. pretty much do already. Oh yeah, I no yeah. I it's something I definitely need to do, and it's something I'm very much interested in. I would love to come back and talk about more things, and even talk longer about a bunch. Yeah, of I mean, we still got some time, so I'm not going to rush you out of here yet. But definitely, I, I, I have, as you've already shown, I have a lot of things to say about a lot of things, and that was that's 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 a good thing though to be a podcast host. And also, I, th- I think I mentioned to you this last time. We're like, I don't have any avenues to talk about wrestling, day. Yeah. Or wrestling Twitter or wrestling podcasts or re- like wrestling media. I don't have anywhere to talk about it because all my shows that I do is a historical New Japan show and a fantasy booking show. So I don't have any avenues to talk about this stuff. So I, I'm more than welcome to. Hey, then you're welcome to give you that avenue. Uh, okay. Last question for you. Okay, shoot. If you could have one match this year, any we'll say singles match, one match you need to see this year, circumstance, pay-per-view, doesn't matter. Like, just give me the opponents. If you have the circumstance, give it to me. But, like, the one match you need to see this year. Are we talking um, dream match? Are we talking cross-promotion? Just everything's open? Um, everything's open as long as it's not like WWE and AEW having a match because that's not possible. 
So a, a, a realistic, yes, possible dream match. Possible. Yes, yes. Like you could do New Japan and AEW because I would say that's realistic. Um, but yeah, don't. Uh, pretty much nothing WWE has will help. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, I would say dream match scenario. Shingo Takagi versus Ray Phoenix. Oh my god. <laughs> One of the best oh in uh New Japan. Ray Phoenix. I would say both guys are are they're not underrated, but they're both like in their promotions underrated. I openly admit on a week-to-week basis, Ray Phoenix is the best wrestler in AEW in terms of in-ring, so that is fine. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. in the world of AEW, he's I do. underrated. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think Shingo, you know, Shingo is, you know, currently going after, you know, trying to win the New Japan Cup and, you know, going after Ibushi and whatnot, but he's not going to win. Um, <laughs> I think I think Shingo versus Phoenix, oh. one of the best in the East versus one of the best in the West, um, is my current dream match that is highly possible i think that would be electric i i want travel to clear up so bad strictly for the g1 because the possibilities of not having bad luck fale take up a spot that a phoenix could be in or someone like that is very exciting wow that yeah that match got excited would you have it happen in new japan or aw I would want to have it in AEW. And the reason there being uh, is to have Shingo on TNT regular television and showcasing Shingo on normal TV yeah. to the American audience. That'd this will then tie people back into New Japan because they'll be like, oh, the Shingo was great. I want to watch him in New Japan. I want to watch more of him. Oh, he's going to face uh, Kota Ibushi. Oh, I know of Kota Ibushi. That should be a good match. Um, and I just want to see that. I think the... the it would be because also it'd be short. It'd be a short match. And I think those two guys in a 15 minute match would be an amazing sprint of beauty. Uh, Yeah. Uh, You're right. The G1 climax, whenever that's going to happen this year, I you know if the whole Olympics, I don't know what's going to happen with the G1. Right. Right. They probably send it, uh, it was projected to be late last year. So they probably have that date locked in for this year, I guess. I would imagine. I still don't know what's happening with the Olympics uh, in terms for this year because yeah, the club. <laughs> it presumably would be happening in the summer, but then you know if everything is happening and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, no, the G1 climax having if the G1 climax is available to AEW wrestlers, I would be totally okay. I don't think you bring in. I put like two. Do you bring in two people? Who you bring in? Uh, I put I. I, first of all, I need them to consider Phoenix a heavyweight, which he is. And so I'd put him and I would put, I mean, they'd probably bring in Moxley because duh, he's their guy, but um, I don't want to count him towards the uh, field. Yeah. So, because he's their champion. So like, that makes sense. Um, so I'd probably do Phoenix. Man, you weren't supposed to put me on the spot. That's not uh-huh. how supposed to work. And I mean, I'd send Pac over because those two probably aren't going to be champions or anything, unless unless they debut trios titles, which they should. 
Um, is my guess. They probably won't be champions by G1 time, unfortunately, unless they win the tag titles, which <laughs> wouldn't complain. Um, <laughs> but I would probably put those two because I think the matches they could have with the likes of Ibushi, Naito, uh, Okada, I don't need to go down the entire list of New Japan talent because we know how good they are. Shingo, of course. I think that would be really fun, and they fit that G1 mold. I think Phoenix would be the best choice because if what I've learned from G1 and only doing the show is that you're either bringing in guys from the outside who are, they're either going to be middle of the card kind of guys, not middle of the card kind of guys, but like middle of the block point percentage kind of guys, or they're going to make it to like the semifinals finals and then lose to someone big. Ray Phoenix would be a great choice. He can be a middle of the card guy. Pac would be a great choice. He would make it to the semifinals or the finals and then lose to someone like Shingo, I think would be a great pick. Um, Cause that would also have the dragon gate sort of aura there. Um, I would love, you know what I would love? Let's just do it. Let's just pull the bandaid off. Let's put Eddie Kingston in the G1. <laughs> Let's that would be entertaining. It. Let's just do it. Why? He honestly popped in my head. He would too. He would love to do that. But that would be great. But I think like you it putting people I, I want to see travel open up because I think you can easily do that. I think even better would be a better pick would be having a junior in the best of the super juniors. Um, because that wouldn't matter. Either right. not, what whoever you bring from AEW is not gonna win. Could but you imagine? Eddie Kingston versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Baby. Like that would just be so entertaining. And it's not even the wrestling part I'm intrigued by necessarily. Okay. I think they just have like so much fun in there. Let's be real. We're talking Eddie Kingston, Minoru Suzuki, my dude. Well, yeah, want, of course. I, I knew that was coming. Cops versus spinning back fists versus just arm. I just want to see that. I think that would be great. Um, I mean, I, ultimately, I think the better chance would be someone the best of Super Juniors, but I don't think we're going to be open up and travel to do that. Um, I, all right, I'll give my AEW New Japan dream match, and then uh, I'll let you go. Um, Phoenix, Hiromu Takahashi, call it a day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think – I. there's a lot of great matches you can have, but those two and what they could do would be absolutely incredible. Um, I feel like Phoenix was always going to be my choice. Like I could name like seven more different matches, but I think that's the one that I'm like, it makes all the sense in the world because like you said, bringing over people for the super juniors, Phoenix could fit right into that. And Hiromu needs a top guy to face. Yeah. That seems like a good spot for Phoenix. Yeah. When he's back healthy, of course. Yeah. I think an easy one that you can do right now is Rocky Romero versus Jungle Boy. Um, wow, I was not ready for that, but you could do that like that one's at any time because they're both here. Yeah, I think that's I think Rocky Romero because that's someone that would easily put over Jungle Boy, right? Um, and give him more shine, like sort of that Dax Harwood match. Yeah, we're just talking keep... about Jungle Boy a lot, even though I'm not a huge fan of him. That's a, wow. Like, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> I'm already wow. out of here. See ya. Yeah, that's a good. I guess that's a good point to end because we don't. That would be a long conversation there. Um, but Ryan, do you have any final thoughts for uh, the wonderful viewers of my show? 
Um, I don't know. Uh, no, it was. I've had a great time talking to you. I we mentioned this. I mentioned it, talked about this last time. I have a great time talking to you, Scotty. It's always lovely to talk to someone about wrestling. Uh, to like I said, get rid of all these thoughts in my head about wrestling and you know talk about all of it all. And I, you know, I'm an open book. I'll, I'll talk about anything. Like I said, um, no. Uh, check out. Can I put my plugs in here? Is this the part where I put plugs in? Sure is. Yeah, that's a, there we go. Um, go check out uh, Count Out Podcast, Wrestling Podcast Network. Um, of course, this is a rival network, but uh, then we're going to just go do it. I'll do it secretly. Hey, go check out uh, Count Out Podcast Wrestling Network. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Count Out Pod. But of course, we have a variety of shows. I do a show called Hit the Books, sort of mentioned already. Uh, every single week, book our own version of Raw and SmackDown. Um, five you know five matches a bunch of promos titles all that stuff our own rosters and everything uh, very fun very interesting show uh, i learned a lot from booking from that show i also have a show called g1 and only it's basically a historical look through new japan through the lens of g1 climax and people that have only completed it competed in the g1 once what if i told you that fake razor ramon was in the g1 climax um, what if I told you that Arn Anderson, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Ric Flair, uh, what if I told you that um, Adam Page has only been in the G1 once, speaking of AEW, all these people will be talked about or have already been talked about on G1 and only, but we got a bunch of other shows uh, like uh, Your Dose of Death, Independent Waters, How to Talk to Your Friend About Wrestling, and a bunch of articles as well. Go check out our article with Scotty here um where we are doing that match race you'll see another march update uh when march is over i guess but uh that's everything uh again thank you sky for having on the show it's been great talking to you that was an incredible rundown of plugs that was special baby um but yes thank you for coming on this will not be the last time and definitely go check out our uh list as i'm in the lead as of last <laughs> check. So, <laughs> all right. This was the Wrestling with Edwards podcast, and we'll see you next week. また美学でしょう